my self-worth wasn't strong to start. Mm -hmm. So I had this shaky foundation and I started to do all these things and achieve and accomplish. And it almost made it more obvious how little I believed in myself, which is weird. Like, it's like a contradiction. Like, how can you achieve but not feel good? So I sort of had to, I did it backwards, I guess, which is like so classic Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) So I I achieved and I accomplished and I looked like I had self-belief and self-worth, but I didn't. It was so shaky. And so at some point then I started to go inwards and just do so much personal work Mm -hmm. because I wanted the inside to match the outside and it didn't. Hi friends. Welcome to another episode of The Spirit Unleashed. I'm your host, Robin Leachy. Have you ever had a time where you stopped believing in yourself or got stuck in a loop of negative thinking and found it hard to reframe your thoughts? Have you ever wondered where your self-doubt came from? Well, I think we've all been there. So today we're chatting with Lindsay Seely, an author, speaker, and the founder of Bold New Girls, which is a safe space for young girls to connect with their emotions and share their stories and what truly matters most to them. Today, Lindsay shares why girls and women stop believing in themselves, the first step to positive reframing, and a yet method that I love and now use myself and with my two children. Lindsay also opens up about her own personal challenges with self-doubt and how she leans into the fear to overcome it before each speaking event. She is an incredible example of feeling the fear, but not allowing it to stop her on her mission of making a difference. And know you purchased a teacher journal. So are you actually like a teacher in a school as well as having bold new girls? Oh, um, okay. That's a good question. So I began, like my background in schooling is in teaching. So I do consider myself a teacher. And then the, my first career was in a, like a private school that, or not school, like a learning center. And I did one-on-one teaching, but from that, that was like 12 years. And then from that, I realized I fell more into the coaching category. So I can do school stuff, but I really tend to like, like all the people I work with, it's like either I'm teaching kind of like school skills, but not, I'm not like doing math and science with them, or I'm teaching like how to deal with their anxiety, how to feel more confident, like all like the personal growth stuff. So that's how Bold New Girl started because I wanted to, like I outgrew that job, but I was like, what's my thing? Like what's like my heart saying and that it basically became like working with girls to like give them what I didn't have essentially (laughs) and then just starting to like see where the cracks were in growing girls I was like whoa they really just don't see how great they are Mm -hmm. so then it became um that became like like my second career I guess and that is something that's missing in schools I find like they're really great at teaching curriculum and teaching you how to learn, I guess, but they're not necessarily teaching you how to learn about yourself and how to navigate all of those emotions and patterns and behaviors. Yeah. And I think it's coming like definitely, you know, we're in this era of stress and anxiety and like social media addiction. So I think it's starting to get infused into schools, but in my opinion, it should be, you know, it always should start from the parents, but it should be just from the beginning, like not really, I feel like we're so like, um, trained to like deal with the problem, but it's like, but why can't we just like teach this stuff? So we do a lot of more preventative work. Mm -hmm. Like if you loved yourself, you wouldn't bully. It would never happen. 
Never. That's what if I you believed in yourself, you wouldn't be jealous. Like these yeah. things I think, can be prevented because, or even if you are jealous, just say you're jealous and like talk about your feelings mm-hmm. and then don't, you know, hold it in and become depressed. Like, I feel like there's, I feel like there's so much more work to do. So I agree with you, but I, and I feel like I slowly see it happening with certain programs, but it's not enough. And it's definitely not consistent. You might luck out with a good teacher who's like, Hey, let's talk about feelings. But then the next year that teacher might be like, no, let's just, you know, work hard. And I guess that's why the consistency at home is, is uh, important. So, so true. Yeah. And, and, you know, it really starts young, 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 like from the beginning. And that's another thing we don't think that way. We're like, oh, I'll just, you know, when they're 10 or 11, it's like, nope. If you have these conversations all the time, if this is just the culture of your house, your family, you are going to have completely different children than if you're just dealing with like a problem or a situation, right? Sometimes my oldest son, who's 12, he's in a lot of sports. So I, We'll have all these chats with him on the way there. You know, he'll be like the little eye rolls, but then I see it in action. So he can get really hard on himself. Um, So right now he's in volleyball, completely new sport to him that he wasn't necessarily excited about at the beginning. So he's hard on himself when he doesn't get it perfect. And I've been going through a lot of things with him. And now when I see him in between serves or plays, I literally see him go, and he takes that breath and his shoulders go down. And I just know, okay, he's saying something nice to himself. It's like, it's working. And it's he- working, but that's hard, right? Because you're not getting feedback or you're not getting like, thanks, mom. No. And so I think that's the hardest thing where you're like, I really have to believe in myself and know <laughs> that it's working. And like, you're planting the seeds, right? But you might, I think some parents never see the result. Like maybe their kids change years later, but I think that's hard is to not take it personally. Like, oh, clearly I'm annoying. So I'm going to stop. You just got to keep going because it's it's your job (laughs) and it's working. So, oh, that's a good one. That's a good story. So I like what you said too, dealing with symptoms. And I find a lot of the times that's just what we do in general is just band-aids and deal with the symptoms instead of get to the root cause. And I know that we're in a chat today about why women stop believing in themselves. So, and I was thinking about it before we hopped on this call and I thought we don't grow up like that. We don't grow up not believing in ourselves because if we didn't, we probably wouldn't even crawl or walk. We just think, oh, I can't do that and never try or fall and not try again. So where do you think it is or when do you think it is that women stop believing in themselves or girls? I feel like, I mean, it could, it could be like any time, like, I think it kind of depends on the circumstance and the family that someone's raised in, but from like, in a general sense, I feel like it's around eight. And I think that really follows um, brain development in terms of that's, that's when you start becoming more aware of, of other people. So, you know, when we're young, we're just like, it's all about us in the most beautiful way. It's just like me, me, me. And we're so happy and we're shiny and we don't hold back. I feel like we're born with so much confidence, but as soon as you start to become aware of other people, so what they're doing, and if you're better than or worse than, and also what they think of you and their perception of you, and then it's a completely like a game changer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when you know, if a girl is raised super well, and this is very rare, I think it's very hard to um, raise a girl who keeps her confidence when there's so much pressure for her to change. 
So to get smaller or quieter or, you know, to really go along to get along, I think that, I mean, that definitely happened to me. Like I can, I, I wasn't eight, I was a little bit older, but I remember the, the circumstance where someone made fun of me because of a word I used, I guess it was like a good word and she probably didn't know what it meant, but I, she said it in a way that like, how dare I use a word that she didn't know. And so I, I remember thinking like, whoa, okay, I can't, I can't speak. I can't like show that I'm smart because this cool girl, she was cooler than me is saying that that's like, that's like offensive to her. Like that's hurting her. And so I remember feeling like, like my, like a little bit of my light went out, like I can't be me. And also that there must've been a lot of shame that that was wrong. Like, how dare I use this word? And it's such a mind screw because you're like, what? I was so smart. I used this word. And that was like, my family was very wordy. So obviously that was a good thing. And instead of saying, Hey, what's that word? I want to learn it. She was like, how dare you use that word? But that was like a total shutdown. And I, well, obviously I didn't know better, but I just thought that I did something wrong. And so that's when I, I just changed and I stopped, I really stopped talking, like being very vocal and being like free to be smart. I, I like toned it down. It's crazy that you can pinpoint like one of the exact moments. And I mean, that's good too, because then you can see where it came from. Yeah. Little trauma. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, when I think, I think back to, and I can see exactly where I compared myself to from what I can remember was high school, Mm. but yeah, it just creates so many limiting beliefs after that. And you just keep feeding that same thing because you don't know anything different. Once you start believing it, you just keep reaffirming that. Okay. That's true. And you start acting like the girls around you and like most girls aren't confident. So if they're saying like, oh, I'm so fat or I'm not smart enough, you're going to start talking like that too. And that just becomes your script. Yeah. Like and I remember thinking, want to fit in with them or yeah, like, and you know, you know, you don't believe it, but you're like, oh, I have to say that too. And then unfortunately you take on that new narrative and it's not positive mm-hmm. and it's holding you back. So I think that's, I think that's most of us. We're just, we can't not be influenced. That's very hard. Have you noticed that as a trend with the girls that you work with? Have I noticed a trend of them being like the other girls? Yeah. Or comparing themselves. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's just been made worse with social media. You can't go online and not like be influenced by pictures. Pictures are very powerful and think, you know, am I prettier, smarter, um, more popular than her or less Mm -hmm. and to make some changes. Right. I think that's, I don't think any adult can do it, let alone a very young, impressionable young girl. (laughs) So I was just thinking that um, as an adult, that's hard on social media. So I can't even imagine as a child who, who doesn't know, maybe not necessarily to do it or how to not do it. Yeah. You have to have a pretty strong sense of self, but I think that's a really big ask. It is. So how did you work through your story in your head about speaking and words? It took a very long time, actually, because I remember being very shy and very quiet, but I knew that wasn't me, but it just, it's how I became because that was, um, that was more socially acceptable. Right. And I didn't want to like not fit in and I didn't want to be judged again or rejected. So I 
think it, I probably started to find my voice, quote unquote, in university. Like we, you kind of have to have an opinion, like to, <laughs> to get, do well in school. And I feel like that it must have been like, like doing it a little bit was a success. And then I built on that and sort of just kept going. But I feel like that took forever, like just to like, just have a different opinion or to say, Hey, you know, this is, here's how I'm feeling. Like, I feel like that. I think that I'm still working on that. To be honest, I think that it took a lot of time and a lot of different experiences and a lot of, I guess, trial and error. Um, and then something I think is starting to click now, like well into my forties where I just don't care what people think. So now it's like, oh no, I, this is my truth, regardless of what you think. And I'm feeling more like unstoppable. Like I really don't care. And there is such freedom and liberation in that. But I think that, I think it took time. And I think also I should, um, if I go back over all of the years, there's a, there's a lot of intentional personal growth work that came in lots of different forms, like whether that was reading or talking to people or going through therapy where I could actually like start to see myself in really positive ways and start to see what I had done and give myself credit and believe in myself. But that, that has, that is like my life's work because I feel like my self-worth wasn't strong to start. So I had this shaky foundation and I started to do all these things and achieve and accomplish. And it almost made it more obvious how little I believed in myself, which is weird. Like, it's like a contradiction. Like, how can you achieve but not feel good? So I sort of had to, I did it backwards, I guess, which is like so classic Lindsay. (laughs) So I I achieved and I accomplished and I looked like I had self-belief and self-worth, but I didn't. It was so shaky. And so at some point that I started to go inwards and just do so much personal work because mm-hmm. I wanted the inside to match the outside and it didn't. Well, I yeah. can tell that you've built that foundation and, and even if it takes maintaining it, right. It's oh, not yeah. one and done. It's, you know, it after is. time it gets those cracks and those leaks and you have to keep filling them. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point. Cause I'm actually now just going through a new phase. I must be change must be coming or something because I feel like, I don't want to say I've lost it, but I feel like my self-belief is shaky. And then I'm, I'm like, what's going on here. But I feel like that's like this uncomfortable season of like refining and then I'm going to be even stronger, but it's just, I do not think anything's one and done. That's like a good point. I think we're just we're always evolving, growing, um, shedding new skin, whatever you want to say it. So what can women do who are moving towards their own positive reframing, whether it was um, belief in themselves or some limiting belief that they've had along the way? What can they do to move towards that? I feel like it's a lot of intentional awareness, I want to say. Like if you want anything to change, you have to believe or you have to like become aware of what it is you're doing or saying to yourself. So I feel like that that's like a really good starting point. It's just, you know, I maybe a shocking question, but how mean am I to myself (laughs) or how little belief do I have? And so you start from that place of awareness. And I think just not being judgmental, which we tend to do and harsh, but being very curious, like, you know, why do I think that? Or, you know, is that, is that true? Or is there a better way to, to say that or an, a softer phrase to myself? And and then I think we can get to the, the real work, which is, I think is very courageous, which is thinking, you know, 
is there a new belief that I can create? So maybe I'm not good enough becomes I am good enough. Like I am more than qualified. I am the girl for the job. And like, if we can have the courage to change that belief and that narrative, then what can happen? And just looking at those, those possibilities. I like that you mentioned courage because I think a lot of people think when, and it's not just when you're starting a business or a new venture, everyone thinks that you need to be confident to go ahead and start that. But most people actually aren't. They just have the courage to start somewhere. And like you did, take those baby steps and build the foundation. Yeah, just leaning into the courage and then know that the confidence will come later at some point. Think so much that we think ourselves out of things where we feel so much and we're just like, we believe all the feelings, which is not necessarily true. And it's just like, no, sometimes you just have to act and that takes such faith, I know, but it's like, you just have to do something and know that you're probably not ready and you're probably not qualified, but who cares? Mm -hmm. And through the doing, you become better, more skilled, you become more confident, but you just have to like, I think it's just a baby step, like super micro step. <laughs> you just have to do something and then things do fall into place. But we're so, we're so good at talking ourselves out of things and say, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. I'm too old. I'm too this. And it's like, nope, none of that is true. You just got to do it. And I guess if you can talk yourself out of it, you can talk yourself into it. That's exactly true. That becomes the new narrative, right? Or if we, like, we might have a thought like, why me? And it's like, but why not you? Like the difference between um, someone who decides to write a book or launch a podcast and someone who doesn't is just their actions. That's it. It might even be Tony Robbins because I think that's who my boyfriend has watched a lot of uh, videos and he likes big, drastic, bold moves. And I'm just like, yeah, I like the little baby ones. <laughs> well, it all counts. I guess we're all different, but I, I, yeah, I tend to see everything as a function of those little steps. And then over time, it's just, oh, I've changed or it's created, it's done or whatever. And it's, it's great. But yeah, I tend to think little by little, like I've always been like slow and steady wins the race. I've never taken those big leaps. <laughs> hey, but it's gotten you there. It's gotten me there. Yeah, you find your way. There was actually one post of yours. I mean, I love them all. But there was one that really, really stood out about a month or two ago. And I was using it on my son with volleyball when I had mentioned that. And you said to reframe when like your young daughter would say something like, I'm not a good dancer. And you said to use the yet method. So at the end, you would say, I'm not a good dancer yet. And what I loved about that, Lindsay, is that I'm all for affirmations. I love them and I practice them daily. But sometimes this made me realize that when I jump right into those, I kind of forget about the effort and the consistency that's needed to go in there. So I might have just changed it to I'm a great dancer, like hmm. telling my son with volleyball, oh, instead of saying you're not good, just say you're great at volleyball. But then you kind of skip over the step of, hey, you need to put in the effort, you need to practice, you need to look for tips and tools. So I hmm. love that you said the yet, because it just reinforces that it takes work and that's okay. Like, well, I think that's, it. that's, that's the empowerment piece. Like nothing just happens. There's no magic or luck or anything. So if you look at like what's, what's required, you have to like decide to do something and you have to work hard. Like I've always believed that. And the, I think that's believable to someone like, oh, okay. Then I have to put in 
out an hour a day, like that that's tangible and that's doable. But if you say, Oh, just tell yourself you're great. Well, that's actually not true. You're not great at it. You're not (laughs) yet. And so you're not going to believe that. And you're not going to act because you're like, well, that's a lie. And like, that's too hard. Right. So then it actually is very demotivating. And so then I think, oh, well, what's the truth? Well, you're just not good yet. That's true. And how do you get better? You have to practice. And then that usually will motivate all of us, I think. Yeah, a lot of your things, um, your posts, I know are directed for parents with young girls, but they are universal with us as women and myself with boys. I think it's something we can all practice and, and just remember that, hey, practice makes progress. You don't have to be a born natural, right? But your practice can empower you to, to get right. there. But I also think doing nothing is not a choice. That just becomes complacency and, and a, a big like excuse. And then you're somewhat of like um, playing into that victim narrative. Like, well, I'm just not good at that. Or that's just not my thing. I don't believe in that. I'm like, you can do anything. You might not be a natural at things and you may not get to mastery of a lot of things, but I think you can always improve in everything. I've heard too that I think it takes 10,000 hours to really, <laughs> I don't want to say perfect, but to be really experienced at something. So not to use that to discourage someone, but to remind them that, hey, those players are practicing every single day. My friend teaches guitar and he says, the problem is that kids today watch so much YouTube videos, right? And so they come to him and they're like, okay, I want to play the song like this person. And he's like, okay, well, we can practice, but you have to understand they've probably been practicing that song for a few years. So they're at mastery and you're at novice and you're trying to get there. And that's frustrating for them, right? That they're not perfect, but it's like what they see is not, um, they see the, uh, the product, but they don't see the process. And all of the practice hours and all of the frustration and mistakes and missteps. And so he said, it's really like they're deluded into thinking, you know, the one hour lesson with him is going to equal that mastered song on the guitar. And he's like, he has to like be the reality check for them that no, that takes at least 10,000 hours and, uh, and they just have to start slow. Yeah, it's not to discourage you. It's just to empower you to keep going because of how good it will feel once you get there. Yeah, that's right. And the joy is actually in the practicing and the doing, not necessarily achieving it at the end, because sometimes you get to that point and you look back and you're like, okay, well, now what? So it was actually more fun in the process than and get then achieve like uh, so much of what I've done like it has been so many mistakes and failures but those were very valuable too like that's maybe saved me time or saved me heartache or whatever it is and so unfortunate as it is to fail I think a lot of failures are like so so like I call them gold because I know what not to do, or I know the person I don't want to hang out with or whatever it is. Those are hard lessons, but I feel like, well, that's, that's like the good stuff in life. And so I don't want to have things just be easy and effortless and like come my way. I just, I don't think, I don't think I'd feel as good about anything I accomplish if it was just easy and everyone could do it. Like it's not, I don't, it's what we say we want, but I don't actually think that it's as meaningful. Right. So we get a little boring, probably. Yeah. And then you take stuff for granted. You're like, oh, I can do anything. Everything's easy for me. Like, I'm not really sure that's the point. I think it's the ups and downs that we 
may say we don't like, but that's, that's like, that is what makes life interesting. Yeah. And that's where you usually have the most growth as well. True, true. For myself, when I look back, and I have seen like some big leaps and bounds, and none of them came after like, a, I don't want to say a happy time, but they were all hard times, like divorce, job losses, moves, like it was never like, oh, I feel good today. So I'm going to do this. No, it was like, you're kind of at rock bottom sometimes. And you're like, okay, well, now I'm down here. So I can build anything. So what do I want to start building now? And then you just take all those lessons and they, they just help you. I remember um, JK Rowling saying in one of her books, um, I think it was a convocation speech, but it's like rock bottom was that place that, you know, we often need to be because that's, that becomes the solid foundation on which we build and create. And I remember reading that and I'm like, oh, so this season of, you know, depression or sadness or stuckness or whatever it is, like it's actually going to become my strong foundation. And that was such like a light bulb moment for me that I was like, oh, so it, it's good that I'm stuck or trapped or sad or whatever it was. And and I think back over like over my life and all of those times, it's like that those low times have often been the greatest source of inspiration. Like it's, it's like, oh, I, I don't like this low time or bored time or whatever, but I have created so much. And I also think, and this is reinforced by so many of my students that when we go through that difficult stuff, we just understand and empathize with people so much more. Like I would never want to confide in a friend or go to a therapist who has had no life experience. Right. Like they're not going to get me. They're going to like, you know, give me some textbook answer of how to help me, but that's not really what I want. I want someone to be like, I know, Mm -hmm. like, I get it. That is hard. I have been there. Mm -hmm. And that helps us, I think, connect so much better. So I don't want someone that's like, you know, lived a privileged or <laughs> really easy life. Like I want the good stuff, like the pain and the the misery. And like, that's, that's how we connect and get each other. You know, there is so much value in, yeah. What did you overcome to get here? And how did you do it? Like, I want to know in case I'm going through the same thing. Right. Or just tell me your story. Like we love stories. That's how we connect. And I don't want a story that was just like easy and boring. Well, <laughs> I love the good Oh, the good stuff. Yeah. And I mean, with all the highlight reels and everything that you, you forget that people have a past and people have these hard times that they don't necessarily share on there. Um, and for their own reasons, I'm sure, but it's, it's always good to know that, Hey, no one's perfect out there. Everyone's got their own stuff going on, but it is also nice to know, okay, well, how did you come out of that and reframe it? And, and what do you believe now about yourself? Yeah, there's so, there's so much to learn, right? Like we're learning on our own, but we're also learning in relationship. And I love to hear people's pain, not because I'm, you know, glad they went through something, but it's like, I want to, I want to learn about how they got through it and got to the other side. Like that is so hopeful to me. And I think, again, we just, we need to hear that. So we understand that to struggle is to be human and we need to understand like, other people's perspectives and tools, and then use that for our own growth. I think that's great. It is a good reminder that people have different perspectives too, because even though you've gone through the same experience, you may be looking at it completely different because you have your own filters of everything you've you've gone through that may be different from theirs. So 
definitely a fair point and something we should all be remembering because everyone's coming from a different place. Yeah. And that's something I think I've been learning more and more lately is just that I think we're so quick to judge people. And I'm trying to understand that people create their um, perspective and their, their worldview because of a whole bunch of their own life experiences. And, you know, it's a mixture of good stuff and bad stuff, but just trying to understand where people come from instead of just judging and dismissing what they say and like, kind of like bulldozing, like, well, I believe this and you should too. And it's like, no, like I might not agree with everyone, but I do like to try to like like dig a little bit deeper into their story to understand where they're coming from. And I mean, this is really good for parents. I think of young girls, like I always say, like, try to be curious, not critical, like really ask her, how did she come to that decision or that clothing outfit? Or, you know, why does she want to be friends with that person? And you're just trying to know and understand Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, don't do that or don't do this, or this is what I would do. It's like that, that's not really helpful because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times girls don't trust themselves because they're told what to do, but no one's really getting to know like their story or their process. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their decisions I think are excellent and extremely intuitive. Like we all have that superpower, I think of intuition, but it's, it's also kind of squashed because people doubt us or make us feel like insecure or maybe um, yeah, just like question us. And then we're like, Oh, maybe that's wrong. And I think then we disconnect from ourselves, which is really sad. Like, oh no, we want to, you know, find out people's thinking and backgrounds so we understand why they do what they do. I have also heard you say, Lindsay, that the sky (laughs) is the limit for women, which I mean, can't argue with that. But why, why do you feel that is true? I just feel like women have so much to contribute, but it's really hard in our society, like our, our patriarchy. And I think we have a history of, you know, trying to be good girls, quote unquote. So try to be, you know, perfect and polished and polite and who people think we should be. And I think the cost has been that we've disconnected from ourselves, right? Who we really are. I think women have so much to offer in terms of, again, like the intuition and creativity and their fabulous connectors and community builders and producers. And I feel like somewhere along the way, we focus so much on being good and being quieter and hesitating and holding back that we need to like kind of tap into like that core self and those, those, core beliefs of like our goodness and our contribution. And I feel like once we do that, I think we're like unleashed and really (laughs) limitless. But I think this is really hard. Like I think as good girls, quote unquote, we are taught it's not okay to like shine and be powerful. And I think that's, it's like a little bit confusing because if I, if I do something great and I want to share it with you, there's a risk that I am going to trigger something in you, like an insecurity or something that you want to do and that you aren't doing. And so I feel like to be powerful, it's like, but I don't want anyone else to feel bad. So in our, like in that idea, I think of, of the sky's the limit. I think the hard part is that we have to like really let go of people's responses to our power because a lot of people aren't going to like it. They're not going to agree with it. They're going to be uncomfortable with it. They're going to doubt us and make us feel, try to make us feel insecure. And I think also even worse that when we like shine and we step into our light, 
we can kind of scare ourselves. Like sometimes I feel like it's crazy. I feel like, you know, I have an intention and I do something, I produce something and it's so great. And then I get scared and it's like, oh, wait, I don't want to be so great or I don't want this much attention or, you know, what if this is like boastful or conceited or whatever. And I, I think that we sort of like crawl back into ourselves. And so I think these are the hard, hard parts of being limitless and, and really saying like, this guy's the limit is that it's kind of a, a new pressure and maybe it's, it's, we're so out of practice. I think that we're uncomfortable. So to get to that place of like, I believe in myself, I don't care what you think. I'm going to just keep going because that's what, that's my birthright. Like that is what we are made to, made to do. I, I think that's incredibly challenging. Uh, that's something I hadn't even considered was the triggering of other, of other people. And I mean, now that you say that, I think it's an invitation for them, but to take their own leap or believe in themselves as well. They're not necessarily going to view it as the invitation, though, depending on their perspective. But since you brought that up, and I like to leave each episode with a question, is there a question you could leave us with that we can reflect in our minds or in our journals that can just deepen our own empowerment and self-awareness? Yeah, I mean, because we're, I think most people, most women do not have like, do not have the strongest self-belief. Like, I think we actually, I think we're born with it. I think we're born with all the confidence and, um, and power and intuition that we desire. And I think we're taught to doubt ourselves and to, to hold back and to hesitate. And so I was thinking of, I like that idea of like getting back to like that core self, like that little girl that was just like, this is me. And like, I am going to shine. Like there's no, there's no fear. There's no hesitation. And I was thinking, if I filled every woman's purse, bag, backpack, whatever it is with unlimited self-belief, what would she do with it? Because I think well, there's such a deficit, right? But if, if someone said like, Hey, I'm going to fill your purse with self-belief, like, what are you going to do? Like, here's your chance. Like, I think I would create, I would continue creating, but it would be with so much more vulnerability because I don't care. Like if I believe in me and that's what's most important and I'm so full of this self-belief in my purse, I feel like I would just put so much more out there. But I have such a filter, I know, with do I want to share this? Do I want people to know this about me? How are other people going to feel if I share this stuff? Are they going to judge me or criticize me or whatever? So there's such a, yeah, like a filter system. But I would not have that if there was unlimited belief. I just like, whatever, this is me. I don't care. But I was actually curious what you would do with that. Like if I filled your purse with unlimited self-belief, like where would that take you? You're reversing this on me, Lindsay. Um, well, I just really wanted, I was just very curious. That's why. <laughs> no, it's great. So I I don't know why, I don't, okay, I don't want to say I don't know why I'm doing the podcast. I do know why I'm doing the podcast. But for me, I have always been uncomfortable speaking. So if I had a purse of unlimited belief, I know I would take to larger groups. Like I would put myself out there and believe in what I have to share and in front of large groups of women. Very scary. And that takes a lot of courage. Um, I When I started Bold New Girls, I 
I knew I must have known this since the time I was little. I knew I wanted to speak, but it was confusing to me because I was just inherently shy and quiet and just speakers were everyone else but me. And so I went to someone who was a speaker. He was a pastor, is the pastor of our church. And I said, how did you start speaking? Like someone doesn't just become a speaker or an author. Like there is a process. And he very simply and very humbly, he said, you just have to start. And I was like, huh? that easy. And he's like, yeah, to start. And I am not joking. The first speech I ever gave was at a, it was for a running group at a college. And I just had to speak for two minutes on motivation. And I probably practiced for 20 hours. I kid you not. And that was my first like official job. I just did it. Like I wasn't, I didn't have to like get trained or have credentials to be a speaker. It's just, I think that belief of like, like, why not me? And I'm a speaker. It started with the two minute speech and it was probably terrible because I remember being very nervous, but I think that just gave me confidence to start asking people like, Hey, do you need a speaker? And so now people will say like, Oh, you're like a keynote speaker. And I still kind of feel like it doesn't fit for me because there's a bit of a disconnect between being a speaker and like me wanting to be a speaker, but I'm like, it just, it just did happen. Like I just basically said, I guess I'm a speaker. But nobody, you know, I I wasn't qualified. It just feels weird. But I think that's true of anything. Like if you want to be an author, you got to start writing. I don't care if it's in your journal or if it's, you know, articling or if it's story writing or whatever, you just have to do it. And you get to decide if that's the title you want. So I remember with Bold New Girls, like people ask me always like, what, what are you? And I was like, I, I always struggled because I guess I am a teacher by training, but I just, I didn't want to limit myself. So I'm like a coach and I'm a speaker and I'm an author and I'd like to be a podcaster soon. It's like, why can't we just have lots of labels? And I know it's hard for people because they're like, well, what's the one thing we can call you? And I'm like, that's very insulting to me because I am many things. I am a very multi-passionate person. And if you're going to reduce me to one word, I feel like you're not capturing me. Yeah. Like I am not one word. I teach and I counsel and I coach and I, sometimes I'm even a psychologist. Like I'm so many things because that's me. Like I'm, I love being multi-passionate, but it's just, it's just, it was very interesting to hear him say, well, just start speaking. And I was like, huh, that easy. I'm like, I, I guess that's it. Just be a speaker. And now I am. Anyway, it's weird. So my encouragement, Robin, is just start doing it. And it maybe it's podcasting to start, right? You're just speaking on a podcast, but it's like, then maybe it's like a small group of women at a coffee shop or it's a larger event. But I just, I really just had the courage to ask people, would you like me to speak? And I just, I started speaking at schools and all of that required so much, uh, effort, I would say. And speaking of like failures and missteps, like some of them were awful. They were bad. And I, I continuously to this day, go through a process of wanting it and asking for it and getting it and putting a lot of time into preparation. And then there's resist, like a resistance moment where I'm like, no, I can't do it. So then I spend time in my mind trying to figure out how I'll get out of it. Like what excuse will I give them? Because clearly I can't do it. I am not competent and then I think, okay, I'll just negotiate with myself and be like, this is the last speaking event. Stop doing it. It's too challenging. It's too scary. It's too uncomfortable. You are not a speaker. Like I, I basically have this conversation with myself and then I'll do it. 
And then I usually will feel so good, like so proud of myself. Then that very day or night, I often will start looking for the next speaking event. <laughs> Cause I'm like, oh, that was so great. But it's always the same process. And I always have this conversation with my mom and she's like, since you were a child, you have been like this. You don't, you want to do something, you go for it. And then you like hesitate and doubt yourself and try to get out of it. But you keep going, which is great. You push yourself and then you're like so happy and elated. Like, it's so great to see, like, you're so, you're so confident with yourself. And it's just, it, I have now just accepted this must be my process. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least it works for you and you know how to talk yourself well out of it, but then back into it. And then, and then I think it's good that you try to book <laughs> the next one right away, because maybe if you let too much time lapse in between, then you give yourself more time to talk yourself out of it. Yeah, it's so true. And but I just feel like people need to know like when they see people on a stage or whether, you know, they've written a book or they've started their own company, like maybe this is just me, but I feel like there's so much that people don't talk about in terms of their doubt, their hesitation, their um maybe feeling like so nervous or so anxious or so stressed out about it, like Every single time I've gone on television, I have not slept the night before. I have been sick to my stomach. Like it is like the worst experience, but I do it. And then I'm like, like, I'm not bad at it. And then I think, oh, I'm so glad I did it. So I I feel like people don't talk about like all that, like the dark side of success, quote unquote. And it's really hard. And sometimes I think maybe it's too hard. Like maybe I'm like, you know, I'm hurting myself here, but I don't think so. I just think maybe I'm the person that will talk about it. Be like That was really hard. It doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. It just means it's like clearly a challenge point for me and it's causing discomfort. But I, I don't think that means like not qualified, like stop torturing yourself. Mm-hmm. I just think it means these are, these are the areas I'm discovering that I'm growing in and I mean, it gets a little bit easier, but not really, not to the point where I'm like, oh, giving a speech, no problem, going on TV, no problem, writing a book, no problem. I think it's all hard. Well, and maybe it comes back to where you said if it was too easy, maybe you wouldn't want to do it or wouldn't appreciate it as much. So, And everyone would do it. So you'd have everyone doing all the same things. And I think we just have different, different areas of discomfort and challenge, but I think it's and it's like um I think it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes I'm I just do the easier things and I'm coasting, and sometimes I do really hard things because I need things to be like challenging and I need to kind of shake life up a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a time for it, right? I would never do it if I wasn't like if it was actually like causing me harm. Like I wouldn't do it. But I think I think the challenge and the discomfort and the being a little bit sweaty and nervous. I think that's a good thing. Well, I think that's a great reflection to leave us all with too is yeah what would you do if you had a purse full of self-belief yeah yeah we all have it it's just are we going to tap into it mm-hmm. and are we going to start believing like of course we can and we're good enough and if it's hard it just means like keep going it doesn't mean quit thank you so much for well, chatting with us today and reminding us that we can talk ourselves back into something and really reframe how we're coming at it with our perspective. Yeah, I hope that helps. I I do wish that. I wish it for myself that Mm -hmm. I had more self-belief, but I wish it for everyone because I feel like 
that is the foundation to anything you want to do. You have to believe in yourself even when no one else does. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you build confidence and bravery and courage and all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Robin. Thanks. Hey there. Thanks for listening. A quick reminder that if you enjoy the podcast and find it motivating or inspirational, I'd love if you could take a moment to leave a positive review. It is helpful and much appreciated. Also, please note this podcast is intended to inspire and support you and bring a little more awareness and magic to your life. I'm not a therapist or psychologist and can only speak from my personal experiences. If you are experiencing anxiety, depression, or another mental health issue, please reach out to a professional in your area. Thank you and all the best. Come back each Monday and Thursday for new episodes. See you then.